27th. Here's a Proverb 27, verse 9 I picked. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. So um, today we're, we're back into the third message that was in a series that I stopped before December to make room for Christmas messages. And we were talking about things that commonly people say that God says, but that are actually our words, words we put into God's mouth. He's never actually said these things. Sometimes they're very close to things he said, but they've changed in emphasis and, and they've actually sometimes changed in actual meaning. So uh, we talked uh, in the first week about the cultural misbelief that above all else, God wants us happy. God has never said that in his word, and there are many times where we can find examples. That's just not what God said. Um, the second time, the second week, we talked about um, something that people wrongly believe, and that God will never give you more than you can handle. Those are our words. Those are not God's word. There are many times that we face things that are more than we can handle. And in fact, Christ faced things um, that he asked, God, I, I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, your will and not mine. And, and, uh, and, and very similar, there's, there's a scripture that gets close to that, but it means something completely different. Today I want to talk about what I believe is a, is a very dangerous lie with very, very serious consequences. And it's going to, going to kind of be a little bit of a heavy subject, so before we get too heavy with the subject, I thought we maybe would lighten things up just a little bit. Fair enough? Okay? So um, I want you to just co- cooperate with me. It's really more, it's better if everybody participates. So look around, look at the person to your left and your right, look, just kind of get, just eyeball who's sitting around you, maybe in front of you and behind you. And now, on the count of three, I want you to point at the person that you think is the biggest sinner. (laughs) An awful lot of you are pointing at me, and I think that was the wise thing to do. (laughs) I mean, I would never do that in all seriousness, um, but that's partly where I want to go today, because... You know, we kid around, but in this culture, in the culture we live in, I don't mean in the church, but in our culture, that's kind of forbidden to ever call somebody um, a sinner. I mean, the Bible, the Bible talks about, there's a topic here, and this is not a topic for today, but the Bible talks about an unpardonable sin. Um, but in our culture, I think there's an equivalent. I think that the unpardonable sin in our culture is to ever call somebody else a sinner. To, you know, in fact, it's, it's politically correct, incorrect to even consider things other people do as a sin. We're not supposed to think that way. We're not supposed to point people away. That's what culture wants to suggest to us. And, um, and in fact, if you point out the error of other people's ways, then you get labeled. You get a name. And whatever the topic is, you add the word phobic to it, and you're that subject phobic. So it's apparently okay to call you names... Right, but it, but but you can't uh, obviously identify. So, which which leads to the cultural misbelief that I want to talk about today. And I, I I hear this I hear this a lot. Maybe you've said it, and and maybe you believe it. But it's this: it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you don't hurt anybody. That is a cultural lie. It doesn't matter what you do; it's not your business. It doesn't matter what I do, as long as I don't hurt anybody. God never ever ever said that in his word. And um, I want to say to you that the ears of all people, including me and you, are at risk. They're at risk. We're in danger of closing our our ears off to the voice of God. And here's a scripture that tells us about that. It says in 2 Timothy 4, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. 
They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We need to stay very, very, very supple before the Lord and not let that become true about us. Because the time is coming. And it's going to be hard to have that not describe you. It's going to be really hard to not be a person with itching ears. And if you think back to um, the time of Jesus and, um, and, and consider that time, I mean, Scripture doesn't, doesn't answer this question, but it suggests the answer to this question. You know, what would you think would maybe would have been in his time the biggest cultural value? I mean, I think there's a lot of different answers that could be answered, but I think you could, I wouldn't make doctrine out of this, but I think you could make a very strong argument, and I've talked about this before, that the biggest cultural value of the, at the time of Jesus was justice, Justice. They, they, they operated under an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, you know, if you do something wrong, then you're going to be penalized. You'll pay the price for it. There was very, that was kind of the culture of, of the time of Jesus. If you ask that very same question today, what is the highest cultural value, um, highest value of our culture? I, I think you could make a really strong argument that the, 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 the biggest cultural value today is tolerance. Tolerance. You know, and, and the problem with that particular cultural value, there's nothing wrong with a cultural value, um, is that the definition of tolerance has, has massively changed. I mean, it has really changed, especially over the last decade or so, so, so ago. I mean, I, I think tolerance used to mean all people have equal value. And I buy into that completely, 100%. So if you, say, if you say tolerance is an important value and you mean by tolerance that all people have equal value, then I weigh in 100% and I'm agreeing with you on that. We value all people. In fact, that's one of our core values here is to value every individual, to value families you know, and some other things. I won't go off down that rabbit trail right now. But that definition has changed in our culture today. Today, tolerance has evolved to mean that all ideas and all behavior have equal value. Ideas and behavior now have equal value. It's it's now wrong. It's now unacceptable to ever say that any behavior style is wrong, or that especially to use the word sin. It's it's unacceptable. And now we've watered down. We've actually sanitized the words we use to describe behavior that used to be considered wrong. We water it down. And we find more acceptable phrases, and maybe it helps, helps us feel better. For example, if I just look at the category of, of sexual sin, you know, you know, we look at the things that we, the, the ways we describe things today. Instead of, instead of the word pornography, we say adult entertainment, because, you know, it's, it's, it sounds more acceptable. We, we don't say any longer that somebody has committed adult, adultery. That's too harsh. We say they've had an affair, which sounds more acceptable to us somehow. It doesn't, and we, don't, we, we don't call premarital sex a sin because, you know, we just call it fooling around because, after all, you know, everybody's fool, fools around, right? I mean, we just, you know, and now, and, and, and okay, this next example I'm going to give you is a little bit graphic. I see that we've got pretty much adults here, and I want to spe- specifically talk to you parents, or that you that will be parents. Phrases now come out in codes. And maybe you've heard a phrase, now, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to get it over with. You hear the phrase, Netflix and chill. Now, if your parents ever hear hear your kids talking about they're going to go over to somebody's house and they're going to do Netflix and chill, you think that means they're going to watch Netflix movie and sit around and eat popcorn. That's not what it means. It means they're going to have movies on in the background while they have sex. 
So now the, 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 we, we have not only categorized sin, but we, we, making it more palatable the way we say it, now it's in code so that we can have it out right out in front. The next move is going to be we're just going to just sit, say it what it is because we're going to expect people to accept that it's fine. Our values are going to be so eroded. And I just want to encourage you parents to pay attention to the phrases your kids say. And if you're not sure when you hear something, if you're not sure what it means, look it up on an Urban Dictionary. If you do that on Google or someplace, you're going to get graphic answers. Better that you know the truth than that you shield yourself from. But anyway, so um, I'm, I told my wife that I was going to actually bring that phrase up in my sermon today, and she says, really? You're going to say that in free in church? I think you need to know these things, okay? I don't bring it up for the shock value, but I want to bring it up to make the point that you need to have your eyes open. I need to have my eyes open about what's going on. And I just learned what that meant recently. Anyway. So um, we've taken what once was wrong and changed the way we describe it because today it's in the, an unpardonable sin to tell somebody else, you know, what you're doing is wrong. We just, you know, and besides, it's, it's none of your business. And I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anybody. And what we need to recognize is this. Sin is real, and sin has dramatic earthly consequences and potentially damning eternal consequences. So today I want to talk about some, um, a handful of cultural misbeliefs about sin and look to see what God actually says about this, okay? Um, oh, by the way, if you're a guest today, <laughs> welcome to the day I'm talking about sin. <laughs> it's okay. I'm talking about me as much as everybody in this room, so... Um, um, okay, so th- cultural misbeliefs. There's a, I'm, I'm only going to come up with three today, but there's many more than that. But number one is this. It's very common in our world today for people to believe this. I'm not a bad person. That's a cultural misbelief you know, about sin. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. All over the world, they're, we're, they're, you know, we're, not, we're not bad people. I mean, I, maybe I make some mistakes, but I'm not a bad person. And it really is simply just not true. It really isn't true. In fact, John said this in 1 John 1. He said, if we claim to be without sin, in other words, if we say we're not a bad person, it says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what we tend to do is we compare ourselves to other people where you know it'll make us look better than them, and then we're tempted to say, I'm really not that bad because at least I don't do like what Eric does. I would not want to compare against you. I can tell you that right now, okay? Um, and the, the chances are that, you know, there's somebody relatively close to you that you would already identify as somebody you'd be okay to compare yourself against because you know about sin in their life. You know, I'm, I, I'm, at least I'm better than them because I'm, so I'm just not that bad a person. I mean, I mean, but the problem is this. Other people are not the standard to which we are going to be comparing. It's not other people. When we, when we get to the point of actual the comparison that counts, when we get compared to a holy, perfect God, well, we don't come out stacked up so quite so good any longer. Um, and in fact, it, it shows us all to be bad people. And welcome, by, like I said before, welcome to Crossroads Church, a place that you come to make you feel better about yourself. So, so we're not so good people. We're pretty much sinful at our core. In fact, Romans teaches us this in Romans 3.10. There is no one righteous, not even one. You're not good, and I'm not good. Okay, so I'm going to keep moving on here. Last week, um, Lisa and I were on our morning walk, 
and we, we go for a walk, a morning walk, several times a week. <laughs> she doesn't know what I'm going to share because I haven't told her this yet. And it's going to end up with an apology to her. So anyway, so we're on our morning walk. And, um, and uh, you can kill the recordings and everything because I don't want any evidence of this. No. So we're on our morning walk. And um, I made this absolutely snarky comment to Lisa about her use of the telephone, of the phone that she was carrying. And um, what I said was unloving and it was grouchy. <laughs> and um, later, not very much later, I was using my phone and I got this return, I, this thing that came back. I mean, I got exactly what I planted, right, ladies? I mean, I, I, I was snarky to her before and I got... Okay, anyway, and, but anyway, so when she said back to me what I had said to her earlier, it made me mad at her, okay? <laughs> it made me mad. And I stayed mad at her for a while. I was, you know, kind of unforgiving, and I was hypocritical. And, in fact, I had been out by myself, and it's my usual regular routine. I'm pretty consistent. If I'm out, I'll get her something from Starbucks, okay? And I'll bring it to her just as I'm thinking of her, and I know it blesses her. I didn't do it. I'm going to teach her not to take me for granted and to speak to me with more respect. I'm unloving. and I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm in sin. I'm in sin, <laughs> and you know, I just want to point out to you. I mean, I know this is not, you know, this is not like an axe murderer kind of a thing. But but I want to point out to you that I'm just a dude. I'm just a regular guy. I'm a sinner just like you, and I struggle and I do things because, um, because I'm I'm a sinner, and down in me is a bad person. And apart from the grace of Christ, this is who I am. And I'm sorry that I didn't get you a Starbucks like I should have or forgive you sooner. Would you forgive me? Get that on the recording, because I need that. <laughs> Let the record show. Okay, so. And, and here's one of the biggest problems with this cultural lie that I'm just not a bad person. It's this. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you will never see your need for a Savior. And this particular problem, I'm not a bad person, is probably keeping people you love, friends you have, from a relationship with God. It, it, it can keep people on a path that Scripture says a man does right in his own eyes, but the path leads to destruction. They don't see their behavior of sin, so they don't see their need for a, a, a Savior. There's no one righteous, no not one, Scripture says. When we think, I'm not a bad person, it's just not true. We're all sinful in the eyes of God. The second cultural misbelief about sin is this, and this is a dangerous one too. All sin is the same. And you'll hear that sometimes, you know. And many pe- people believe that all sin is the same. And, you know, who are you to judge? What I'm doing is my own business. As long as I'm not hurting you, all sin, they think all sin is the same. And we need to understand, and I need you to hear this carefully. Hear what I'm saying now here, because I don't want to have a doctrinal argument with you later. The Bible clearly does not teach that all sin is the same. It does not teach that. Now, don't miss this. All unforgiven sin will separate us from God. That is true. That's established. That's period, okay? All unforgiven sin will cause us to end up in hell. All unforgiven sin. There's no distinction between that. But not all sin is the same. There are consequences. In fact, Paul said this in Romans 6.23. He said, For the wages of sin is death. Any type of sin, little sin, big sin, whatever kind of sin, any unforgiven sin leads to death. 
And the good news goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and even though all unforgiven sin does lead to eternal death, all sin is still not the same. For example, you know, when I told my previous story, and Lisa, you know, I, I used my tongue with Lisa, and it was, I sinned with my tongue with her. If she had decided to answer with a samurai sword, which we don't own one. I'm thankful for that. And she would, but if she had decided to do that, that would have been a sin too. And both of those sins, if she had hacked me up, if she had done a kill bill on me, okay, if, if, if that had gone on, <laughs> sorry to paint that picture in mind, but you get my point. Both of those sins, unforgiven, would lead to eternal damnation. It would lead to eternal death. You all assert that. But the consequences on this earth would have been a little different, Right? Not all sin is the same. And um, in terms of consequences, not all sin is the same. All unforgiven sin does separate us from God, but all sin is not the same. In fact, I mean, I think if you're taking notes, we need to recognize how we live influences three things. And we're going to kind of go down this trail for just a minute and we'll come back. First one is how we live influences, number one, um, consequences on earth, right? Would you agree? I mean, like, for example, if you're a blessing to other people, in, on the earth, you're probably going to experience blessing back from them. How you live influences things on earth. On the other hand, if you're sinful, there are consequences here on this earth. And all consequences are not the same, right? I mean, for example, if you're our youth pastor and he's here somewhere serving, he's ushering or he's watching over the flock somewhere, and you get caught because you're the youth pastor and pastors, senior pastors like to make fun of youth pastors because they make great fodder for sermons, right? <laughs> Okay, so I respect our youth pastor. But if you're a youth pastor and you're caught speeding, you can probably keep your role as being a youth pastor. We can get over that here. We'll get over that. But if you're a youth pastor here and you're out back after a youth meeting smoking dope with some of the youth, good thing you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're out smoking dope with the kids in the back after service, you can't be our youth pastor. I mean, you get the point. There are consequences here. And not all sin is the same. And there are different earthly consequences to our behavior. There are also different consequences in heaven. Number two, how we live influences rewards in heaven. We should recognize that God rewards us in heaven and for certain godly behaviors on the earth. And there are rewards in heaven for how we live, what we do, and what we don't do. Number three, Scripture teaches that how we live influences punishment in hell. Okay? Now, to, to a degree, we can't really know an awful lot about the details about this, but there is some effect that how we live influences, can, can influence punishment in hell. I'm going to show you a couple of examples of that. Jesus is having a conversation in Luke 20 with a bunch of Pharisees and a bunch of people, and he, and he, and he says, the Pharisees who take advantage of widows and rob them of their homes, now we're talking about people whom the church is called to love, care for, and watch over, right? Okay, and help them. He says, um, the Pharisees who take advantage of widows and rob them of their homes and then make a show of saying long prayers, their punishment will be, now God evidently hates this kind of hypocrisy, okay? Their punishment will be all the worse. Okay. Not clearly, that's not, I'm not sure what that means that Jesus is saying there, but he's clearly implying that there could be the potential for a less severe punishment or a more severe punishment, Okay, it's implied. Okay, let's look at another one. Um, here's another one. Jesus is talking to Pilate, okay? In uh, John 19, he says, Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. 
Okay, there, he's not even implying it. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. He's saying flat out there's a lesser sin and there's a greater sin. So we're seeing some things here. We don't know completely what it means. But, um, and then there's a, here's another example, and this is Paul, where he singles out sexual sin and because of the consequences um, that are different. He says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And I'm not going to teach on that today. But in other words, you know, he's saying there are different consequences to this sin than to other sins. He's saying, you know, run, Forrest, run. You know, because this one impacts you in a very deep and personal and profound and significant ways. How we live, what we do, matters on earth. And matters in eternity. Okay, so back to our original track. Uh, misperception, one, I'm not a bad person. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, I'm bad, you're bad. We're all sinful in the eyes of the Holy God. Second one is all sin is the same. Actually, it's not the same. All unforgiven sin does separate us from God, and there are eternal consequences. But certain sins will have a bigger impact on our lives and this earth, and evidently eternally as well. The third cultural lie that so many people believe, and maybe some of you Follow this, follow along with this as well, and that's this. Since I've already done it once, I might as well keep doing it. I've already done it once, I might as well keep doing it. And the list for where we fall for this lie, um, I mean, it's long. I've, I've heard it, you've heard it. I mean, maybe as a teenager or a young adult, um, you know, well, I'm not a virgin now, so there's no reason for me to stop doing this. Or, you know, I've done drugs once, I might as well just keep doing them. Or... I cheated and I didn't get caught and it kind of helped me so I might as well do it again and that's a, that's a cultural lie. I've already done it once so I might as well do it again. And evidently this was a problem in the time of Christ um, just like it is today because the Apostle Paul asks this very pressing um, and relevant question in Romans 6 starting in verse 1. He said, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more his wonderful grace? In other words, hey, if God's going to forgive us anyway, why not keep going here? Why should I stop? And Paul answers, you know, should we keep on sinning? He answers, verse 2, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And Paul is pointing out that our sin nature no longer has power over us, that we now have the power of Christ. So why would we continue to go back into the things that, that, that hurt the heart of God, that that hurt our own lives, that hurt the people we care about. Should we keep on sinning because God's going to forgive us anyway? Of course not, Paul says. And I hear comments, now I'm going to go somewhere with this, but I hear comments from time to time about people, I just want to go deeper. Let's, let's go deeper. You know, I want to, can we just, I, I, you know, I want, to, I want to go deeper. I'm all for deeper. Go deep. Take deep. But hit, listen, Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we obey. It's about how much we obey. Spiritual maturity isn't just having more knowledge. It's about having more fruit. It isn't just about learning more about the original language or studying deeper theology. Spiritual maturity is letting the Holy Spirit get into your life and guide you and live through you. If you love Jesus, you'll obey him. If you're one of his sheep, and spiritual maturity is not just knowledge, it's being transformed by the grace of God. Transformed. A problem 
The problem for us is that most Christians in our culture today are way educated, way beyond their level of obedience. <laughs> That's like me admitting I know things that I ought not to be doing. We need to let that sink in because most of, us, most of us don't need to know more. We just need to apply the things that we already know. It's a tragedy, I think, when followers of Christ consistently walk back into the same sin and then they rationalize it and they justify it you know, by saying, it's just not that big a deal. And who are you to judge me? And as long as I don't hurt anybody. You know, and the last thing I want to do is come across to you like I, I'm some guy who's got it all together. I, I'm growing just like every one of you. I am. And I, I want you to know that I've noticed this, that the closer that I get to Jesus, the more he shows me my impurity. It's not a function of being further from him, but the closer I get to him, he'll say, hey, Terry, you know. And the opposite is true, too. When you're not aware of sin, chances are that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And because of our pre-existing bent towards sin, this is a lifelong struggle for us. It just, it just doesn't end. But God's grace is more powerful. The grace of God, you know, the, 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 the spirit of God that's dwelling within us is, is more powerful than the pull towards the world. It's a fact. And a growing, maturing Christian heart loves Jesus and, and doesn't want to do things that are displeasing to God, doesn't want to do things that, that hurt the name of Christ, doesn't want to do things that hurt loved ones and friends and family. And the thing is that sin is progressive. You know, it, it grows in the dark and it's in the light that it starts to die. And, you know, and while I was working you know, on this message in my study and I was praying about it and praying for you, you know, my obvious prayer was that the Holy Spirit would just lovingly speak to hearts um, who, who, who would sense that there's something better because sin is progressive. It is. It's, you, know, you, you, you cheat one time and then it's easy to cheat more times. You lie once and then it's easy to lie and to keep on lying and, and it's just progressive. And sin will take you further than you want to go and make you pay more than you want to pay. It just costs. And, and maybe some of us in this room right now are thinking, oh, it's, come on, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. And it's costing you right now. How's it costing me? If you're a follower of Jesus and you continue to live in sin, you lose intimacy with God. You just will lose intimacy with God. And suddenly, you're just not as sensitive to the whisperings of his voice like you used to be. And the risk is, if you continue that way, then your heart can start to harden, and then the danger is greatest. You know, because the distance between sinning and repentance starts to grow. The distance between, you know, so, so, so then you become even more insensitive to his voice, and it can spiral. I mean, all of us at times will mess up and, and um, you know, we'll see spiritual immaturity. You'll see it in me if you hang out with me enough. And, and, and you're going to see, you know, when, when you become spiritually mature, what you will see is the distance between, oh, I've messed up and, oh, I'm repenting gets shorter and shorter. 
And then you find when that's going on, you find your mind being transformed and renewed into the mind of Christ rather than being conformed to the shape of this world. And when you're becoming spiritually mature, you start to look more like Christ and to think more like Christ and act more like Christ. And it'll be the power of God's Spirit that's doing that in you. It will be the Spirit. And the good news is this. Jesus is the friend of sinners. This is the good news part of this. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We looked at this in a previous week um, at the Scripture, and it says this, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. No matter what you're trapped in. No matter how long you've been there. No matter whether you think you could never overcome it, God always will provide a way out for you. He always gives a way out. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. He is the life. He's the way out. He is the truth that sets you free. Jesus is the way. And I want to say right now, some, some of us maybe need to recognize that we're trapped. You know, and you, if that's true, you need to step out of your trap. You step out of your sin and Step into Jesus. Step into his grace and out of the trap. Step out, out, out of the trap into his power. Step into the love and the power and the transforming goodness of Jesus because he's going to provide a way. There, there's always a way out. As I was... Um, I knew that in this moment, I'm just about to pray. We're, we're done, pretty much. I want to say something very, very direct, and I'm not aiming this at anybody, but I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to hearts right now. Because I'm talking to people right now that have, you've rationalized. You've thought to yourself, I cannot get out of this sin. It's become so habitual now. But I want to tell you this. The Spirit of God would say to you today, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things. And there's a way out through Jesus. I'm going to pray um, over you, over all of us in just a minute. But I'm going to encourage you to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you in this moment because it's his love that is talking to you. Scripture tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord is not bringing this up to point a finger at people and shout, turn or burn. God is saying, I don't condemn you, but I do call you to something better and I can forgive you and I can bring you out of this if you'll let me sin the reality is that sin does cost us but Jesus is bigger we looked at this verse early on 1 John 1 it says if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and then the very next verse goes on it says if we confess our sins God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how good Jesus is. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way out of sin. He's the truth that sets us free. So when culture says it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone, recognize that that's really a satanic lie. It really is a lie. And it's a, it's a lie intended to entice you away from the blessings of God. And recognize that sin is the greatest enemy to intimacy with God. And recognize also that Jesus is a, is a best friend to sinners. I want to pray. God, I pray that by your power.